This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour on Hockey Central, Sportsnet 960. It's Thursday. It's November 3rd. It's a Flames game day. We're going to have Julian McKenzie on the show for a Thursday Flames roundtable. Uh, Calgary taking on the Nashville Predators tonight at 7 o'clock. So Julian's going to come on in about 5-10 minutes uh, with Logan. Logan Gordon's with me as always riding shotgun for the next hour. And we're going to get into what's going on with the Flames right now. We're going to talk some Jonathan Huberto. Going to tee up the matchup. Uh, Chris Mason, former NHL goalie, now a Preds analyst with Bally Sports, is going to join us around 140 to continue to tee up that matchup some more. But first, let's bring in Logan Gordon. We're going to have Julian in a little bit, but for now, it's just us. What's up, Logan? How are you? I'm good, Haley. How are you? Good. I'm good. It's another day. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I wish I always had more interesting things to say. You know, I just work. <laughs> so whenever we have these conversations, it's like, yeah, what are you doing? How are you? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just writing. Tired. Watched hockey you know, last just night. Just had a coffee, watched some hockey, wrote a big story about Joe Newendike that just came out this morning. Oh. So I don't know if anyone's been reading it, but The Athletic has had, I mean, I hope people are reading it, but The Athletic has <laughs> launched uh, the NHL 99 project. And it's, it's don't be fooled. It's the top 100 players of all time. But basically everyone says that's Wayne Gretzky anyways. So the project is finding out like the next 99 best players. And it's post-1967, which has been a bit controversial because that means there is no Gordie Howe on this list. And I think people are upset about that, um, that there is this kind of cutoff date that cuts out somebody that people think should be way, way up there. Um, so yeah, we've got to the NHL 99 and at number 80 came Joe Newendike. And because I was in Calgary the last couple of years, I'm doing Calgary radio. I know the flames. I put my hand up. I was like, I'll do the Joe Newendike piece. I'll do this. You know, it was cool. I, I think having those conversations, cause obviously I wasn't alive for, for some of the peak Newendike, but I think one of the big takeaways in the story as I was reporting it out and talking to Lainey McDonald and talking to Gary Roberts is how many cups would the Calgary Flames have won if they didn't break up that core too soon? Like that was one of the big takeaways in talking to people like Gary and like Lanny is, you know, and obviously Lanny retired the year that they won the Stanley Cup um, after that, but you know, if they wouldn't have broken up the band, how many cups would the Flames have won back then? It's a good question. Nine sixty nine sixty. Let us know. What do you think, Logan? Yeah, it's always interesting too because you're right. It's a little bit before my time too. Yeah. So you know, I look back at it in, in retrospect, and I'm sure those decisions are always tough. And the Joe Newendike one is obviously one that lives in infamy here in Calgary because it brought mm -hmm. Jerome McGinley to the franchise. Of but course, Jerome never reached the heights that. Joe did at times with the the Calgary yeah. Flames and went on to have well Joe Newendike won three cups with three different teams right that's yeah, kind exactly. of the piece like that's that's it you know that's that's not a lot of players have done that I think only eleven players in the modern era of the NHL have won three cups with three different teams 
<laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's always uh, Joe Noondike's always one of those interesting ones here because you're right. He's is he part of the, you know, did the Flames win a cup without him? Obviously, he's the con. He wins a con Smythe during his career. He wins mm-hmm. a Calder as a member of the Flames. He goes on to have this incredible career, but he also, you know, could have been part of one of the greater franchises that Calgary could have had over a, a longer span if they go in a different direction. It's a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, and I think an important thing with this topic too is like the the economics of the league were changing, you know, after that 1994 lockout. And and Calgary was one of those teams that was really impacted by that. You know, they trade Gilmore in 92. They trade Al McInnes in 94. Uh, Joe Newendike, you know, coming out of that, it's like, no, I want to make some more money. Like, look at everything I've done so far. I want a cup. I want a Calder. I'm a big goal scorer, really important player. I want to make some more money. And obviously we know about the contract negotiations going, going sour and then the trade to Dallas. And, you know, I think (laughs) – it's like one piece of hardware short of being like the perfect win-win. It's that one it's that one goal in 2004 from being the most perfect win-win trade. <laughs> I mean probably the only perfect win-win trade made, you know. So, it was close, but yeah, that's that's what's going on. Got the Joe Newendike feature on the Athletic right now. Number 80 all-time post 1967 according to the athletic right now so if you guys are interested in, in some of the old players that's that's posted right now and uh, you know i think we are going to go on and again julian's going to join us in a moment but two games last night logan leafs beat the flyers yeah they're on the second half of back-to-back and the first game for the flyers went to overtime no carter hart we know that but the leafs kind of break the slump people maybe exhale a little bit in the toronto area leafs fans exhale it was like a week of people just the sky is falling about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know how much of this you saw, but people were freaked out about the Leafs. They win last night, so maybe people will calm down a little bit. Buffalo Sabres keep rolling. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-3 to last night. Tage Thompson scores again. Seven goals in the year. Are the Sabres legit, Logan? That's my question for you. Are we on the Sabres wagon yet, or are we still a little tentative? I'm still like the tiniest bit tentative about it. I think they're a really good team, and I think they're taking steps in the right direction, which is always good to see, but I'm always so big on goaltending, and I'm just not 100% sold yet that a duo of Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson is going to get you there, Mm -hmm. but it sure looks like some of these top talent guys they've accumulated over the draft. I mean, Darlene's been incredible. Mm-hmm. I think Owen Powers just starting to figure out. I mean, he's already playing like 21, 22 minutes yeah. a night uh, oh, yeah. as a 19-year-old in the league. That's only going to continue to get better for them. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Tage Thompson. I know a lot of people sort of raised their eyebrows when he signed that massive extension in the offseason. Like, wow, that's a lot for a guy that had one good year. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's looking like, oh, this might be the more regular Tage Thompson, and they might look pretty smart for doing that deal. So I like what I'm seeing. I'm just not 100% sure it's there yet. Yeah, you're not totally sold, and that's fine. We'll see. So it's a Flames game day. Uh, optional skate this morning in Calgary. Looks like um, this is all from our, our friend Pat Steinberg, who is the trusty lineup, who's in, who's out. We love it. Takes none. <laughs> 
when I was around day to day at practice, I feel like no, everyone would just wait for Pat to tweet the lines. And that was just kind of the thing. I was like, yep, Pat's got it. And like, you wouldn't, you'd copy and paste from Pat's tweet into your notebook instead of doing it yourself, basically. So yeah, why Pat's would you, the goat. Why would you ever need to do that when <laughs> Steinberg's on it? Mm -hmm. So uh, optional skate in Calgary today looks like Adam Rzichko is working late. This probably means Kevin Rudy is going to uh, draw back in. Excuse me. Jacob Markstrom starts, it looks like. That's from Pat. Uh, Chris Tan of a question mark. He didn't skate the last two days. And Connor Mackey did not work late after the optional like we saw with Adam Rzichka. So that looks like it's going to be a game time decision. Again, it was an optional. So we're going to get more clear lines and pairs at warm up again, Flames taking on the Nashville Predators at 7 p.m. Preds didn't skate on Thursday, but I can probably assume we're going to see UC Saros because he is their guy. But it sounds like we've got Julian McKenzie on the line on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Let's bring him in. We're going to have our Thursday Flames roundtable. Julian and Logan, what's up? How's it going? What's up, Haley? What's up, Flash? Good to hear from you both. Okay, wait a second. Why are you calling him Flash? What's happening? Because his because la Logan's last name is Gordon, so I'm calling him Flash, like the superhero, Flash Gordon. Is that a thing, or did you just make that up? No, that's no. a real thing. That's People a real call thing. you that? No, I'm I, I call him that. <laughs> Logan called me J Mac, and I was like, all right. I, I mean, I, people have called me J Mac before, but he's the only one in Calgary who does it, which is kind of nice. So I was like, you know what? I gotta come up with a nickname for Gordon, and I'm like. Flash. Easy. Okay. You've never Logan, seen Flash Gordon, Haley? I didn't, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like everyone calls you Logo. Yeah, and everyone so I was like, Logo? Do you run fast? No, I do not. I try to avoid running, actually, as often as possible. <laughs> I save them only for life-threatening situations. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, as somebody who ran cross-country in, in university, I'm with you. I'm done with that. I'm over it. I will not even run for a train or the bus, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm done. <laughs> you see, now, Logo is something that, that actually Ryan Pinder gave me a while ago trying to. Because, like, obviously, when Gordon's your last name, you get Gordo all the time. And that's a, a pretty common one. So I've rolled with that for a lot. But, yeah, now anybody that knows me or is on the radio pretty commonly with me usually just goes with Logo. But... Julian obviously being newer to Calgary and you know not listening to 960 all the time uh picked up on flash and I like it something different that was really I nice just, I don't know yeah I just flash is a good dude you always like seeing him uh post game we give each other the nod the dap and I'm just like <laughs> you know what flash Gordon it is it's like the the dad nod from across the room hey what's up man super chill <laughs> We got the little fist Super bump chill. going. Yeah, it's always yeah. someone gets the door for the other guy, the curtain head into the Flames dressing room. It's a good, we got a great rapport going. It's awesome when I see J Mac post game. We're ready to go. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. You guys, you oh man, you guys just take the reins. I can feel the chemistry go off on this round table. <laughs> Talk about the game. What are you guys expect? What are you guys expecting today? Here you go. Take it away. Oh, man. Uh, Logo, do you want to start or, or should I start? <laughs> J-Mac, why don't you take this one, pal? Oh, look, I, I think with uh, there's going to be a lot of attention on Jonathan Huberto tonight. I'm not going to lie. And I feel like it's because it's this way because of the fact that the Flames have lost back-to-back -back games. The mm -hmm. fact that he only has one goal to his tally and it was on the power play. 
Uh, last game, we saw the line switches happen and Lindholm and Toffoli stayed together and they got points at five on five, even with Milan Lucic, which by the way, people don't realize. Uh, I'm sure you guys all do because you're smart people. But uh, Milan Lucic, the player he played with most at five on five in the one year he played in Los Angeles was Tyler Toffoli. So I get why mm-hmm. that happened. And I'm not sure about all the advanced stats with Milan, but like Elias and and Tyler played well together. So that leaves Jonathan Huberto to step up alongside Kadri and Manjapane. And this is a guy who's also been going to us saying like, hey, like I need to shoot the puck more and not just necessarily make that extra pass. So Mm -hmm. I think a big key for them, obviously we're going to look at how the Flames will start. They're trying to play a full 60, but I think tonight we'll, we'll see some more emphasis on Jonathan Huberto. And that's not me saying he's playing bad. And Daryl Sutter has gone out of his way. I know he said that he needs to kind of play with a little bit more speed or a little bit more pace in his game. But Daryl Sutter has gone out of his way to compliment him and say that he has a good 200-foot game. And I think at another instance, we were asking about whether or not the the goal-scoring issue was an issue. He said, no, it's not a problem. He's gone out of his mm-hmm. way to say, like, hey, like, he's, he's a good player. I think he just needs to pick up his game. And those line changes, if you really think about it, it's – it's it's really to try to get him going. So mm-hmm. there will be some emphasis on Huberto, but not because he's playing bad. I think just people are just wanting him to play at a at a different level. There's gonna be that there's gonna be that microscope on him. Mm-hmm. Logo, what do you got? Yeah, I think Julian's right, and a lot of it is gonna be focused on Jonathan tonight and, and his performance, whether that's that's fair or not. I mean, the team as a whole has blown two third period leads the last two games. So I I think there's an aspect of the team game that probably needs to be more in focus tonight than anything, especially against a a Preds team that I really like. I think that they've been a bit up and down, but I am always wary of this team because of their depth and some of the veterans that they have there. I still think Roman Yossi is one of the best defensemen in the league. So I think that there will be that attention put on number 10. And I'm kind of with where Julian is that, Again, and I said this yesterday on Flames Talk with Pat, the team's two games above 500. They could be better than that if they hold on to that lead against Seattle or even against Edmonton. And Huberto's got five points in eight games. It's really not all that bad or nearly as bad as some people will have you believe. Uh, Try Mm -hmm. to think of it when this guy is going at 100% or closer to 100%, and it'll be uh, that much better for the team as a whole. And um, I think Julian did also a good job pointing out what Daryl said. And the big thing for me is that, you know, he's he's telling you that he's putting in the work. He's willing to to do everything to be successful. It's not a lack of effort or trying from Jonathan. It just simply hasn't clicked as quickly as someone like Nazem Kadri has. And I think that's one of the, the good and bad things that's happened to this Flames team. You love to see what Kadri's doing because it's been incredible. The fit has been so good from day one. But at the same time, everyone looks at Kadri and says, okay, well, why isn't Huberto doing that? But the mm-hmm. situations are completely different and very hard to compare. And I think that just preaching patience right now for a lot of people is going to help because I, I do think Jonathan's, you know, just a, a day or a good shift, a good game away from really showing people what it's all about for him. 
Mm -hmm. I think I saw on the text line and for, for guys listening live, if anyone's listening live, 960, 960, you can join in on the conversation. We're having a Thursday Flames roundtable with Logan Gordon and myself, Haley Salvian, and Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. I think one of the things I saw on the text line yesterday, um, I believe it was around Pat or maybe it was on Twitter, but one thing I saw was, you know, you maybe didn't see the the full pop that you would want out of Joe Pavelski when he first got to Dallas. Um, and I mean, Joe Pavelski still scored 14 goals and 31 points in his first season in Dallas, but that wasn't the 38 goals and 64 points he had with San Jose the year before. Um, and, and this is an older player in Joe Pavelski as well. And, and then, you know, the next Next year, he scores 25. And the year after that, he scores 27. You know, he had 80 points last year in Dallas. So it's not a perfect comparable because they are different players. Joe Pavelski is that kind of goal scorer, whereas Jonathan Huberto is one of the elite passers in this game. But I think that's just, you know, a, a kind of recent example of a player. Sometimes they're going to just take a little bit of time. And I think we have the clip of Jonathan Huberto. He was asked about, you know, Daryl Sutter saying he needs to speed up his game and let's hear what uh, Jonathan Huberto had to say. You guys haven't seen anything yet so it's like kind of you know I'm not not happy with myself right now and I think you know I just gotta and obviously you know Daryl's been positive with me so I think I, I just gotta stick to it and you know just keep working and I think I know I know what happened in the, in the past these stretches and I just gotta you know focus on my game and be better. I love that. I love the the confidence, but also the understanding of I need to be better, but to have a little bit of that swagger come through, like you guys haven't seen anything yet. I love that. I think that's what you want to hear from Jonathan Huberto. He is not, you know, he's not fooling himself. He knows he needs to be better, but he still has that confidence and that swagger in his ability. Because again, like we ha there's a track record from Jonathan Huberto as being an elite, elite passer and playmaker in this league. It's been eight games. We, you know, we, we're still using two hands here. Like, let's let's take a pause. He, he should be fine. Things are going to be fine. They're just trying to figure things out. And I'm curious to see if there's going to be a couple more games with Huberto and Nazem Kadri because when you think about, you know, him maybe speeding up his game, we've seen that Kadri has a really good ability to drive play and move the puck up ice. Um, Andrew Mangiapane is one of the quicker in terms of foot speed players on the team as well. So I think you look at that and maybe – Maybe you don't love the way the lineup looks from line one to line four with Lucic on the second line. And maybe you like the way the fourth line was and you liked Dubé and Manjipani with Kadri. But I think you look at that trio right now and you've got Huberto with, with some of the quicker play driving guys on the team right now. Whereas I think Lindholm can, Lindholm has great underlying numbers, but I wouldn't say he's exactly like when you think of the guy who was driving the line last year, it was, it was Johnny Gaudreau who's entering the zone with control and pushing the puck up ice. And, and you look at Tyler Toffoli, and he's not exactly the guy who's transitioning from, from the D zone to the O zone. So I think you're putting Huberto with guys who have shown a proven ability to to be uh, you know quick of foot and, and enter the zone and, and make plays and, and drive, drive some offense. So I think you're going to be able to see them get into the offensive zone quicker and stay there. And, and he's obviously got some line mates who can, who can finish the job. So – I'll be curious to see. I mean, I've just said all that, and maybe they're not even going to be on the same line today because we once we see the <laughs> warm-ups and they might not even be on the same line. So we'll see. What, what do you guys think um, in terms of 
it's it's been one game and we don't know again if we're going to see them again we did see the similar lines on, on wednesday at practice but but we'll see at warm-up as i said what have you guys thought about the kind of line switches and, and how it relates to maybe getting guys like huberto and even andrew mangiapani going a little bit more i honestly i i really see the line changes i don't want to maybe it's weird to say as a direct result of trying to get uh huberto going but I'll make the argument here, right? Because the second line with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé and Majapani, yes, maybe you want a little bit more production from uh, Majapani and Dubé, but they, for at least for stretches of games, they played really well. That third line, I mean, you were always you were always going to keep Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman together. That's something that Daryl has said, and that's something that he wants to keep going. Uh, whatever the line those two guys are on, whether it's Trevor Lewis playing alongside them or Dylan Dubé, maybe it doesn't matter as much. But that line with those with Lewis Coleman and Coleman and uh, and Backlund, like that worked. And that fourth line with Lucic, then you put Runes, and then you put Richie, Richie, who uh, I think he's still tied for the most goals. You at five can on five only for the try to contain Brett Richie. You cannot it's crazy. control him. Yeah. He's been great on that fourth line. So I felt, and I, and that's why I made the point in the column I wrote earlier this week that like, I thought that Daryl Sutter would have given Huberdeau Lindholm into fully more of a leash because they had seen as much success as they were seeing on those bottom three lines. Like almost every other night when they were winning, one of those three lines was factoring in as a big reason why they were going to win that game. But at least in the game against Seattle, if had they hung on and won, we would have probably praised Daryl a little bit more for those lines mm-hmm. because as I mentioned earlier, like Lindemann to Foley, they got their they got points at five on five. Like they they did mm-hmm. particularly well. Uh the fourth line, I think Brad Ritchie scored the other night too. Like, or, mm-hmm. or at least the fourth line was good. Like yeah. there were some good things. It's just that Hubert Okadri and, and Majapani still a little not where I guess you would expect them to be. I think a lot of people looked at that top line and figured, well, Nazim Kadri's on a point streak. Majapani is a guy who can provide offense. And then Jonathan Huberto's there. Offense. Like, that should just mm-hmm. work immediately. So the fact that we have not seen an instant uh, impact yet, maybe that brings pause to some people. But I think Daryl yeah, would probably give game. them another chance. It's one game. Like, they have yeah. so many more opportunities to get right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this- Logan, is there a line combo that you're really, like, attracted to or a, one that you're really, like, pessimistic about? What What do you think? <laughs> It's hard to say this because he's been so good this year, but I just think the Milan Lucic top six thing, I don't know how long that lasts. He's Mm -hmm. been so good because he's slotted perfectly on this team, on that fourth line. And everything Julian said about how Richie's played and Rooney, they've, they've been an effective trio. I just, I wonder how much asking Lucic to go from anywhere from 10 to say 13 minutes a night on the fourth line to maybe 15 to 17 minutes in a top six spot, how much that changes his effectiveness on a night to night basis. And Mm -hmm. that's hard to say because he's been very effective. I just think he's been effective because he's been put in the right spot. And I'm not entirely sure that this is the right spot. I'm kind of with the, the group that says, Hey, I, I thought, yeah, the first line wasn't giving you what you wanted at five on five when it was Lindholm centering Huberto and Toffoli, but the other three were going so well and you were winning hockey games. I wouldn't have changed things up from that perspective, but maybe you feel like there's some other combinations there that are going to be successful. The nice thing is you can really always count on 
Backlund and Coleman as a pairing, regardless of who's on their wing, to to be successful and to give you some good five-on-five five minutes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that to me sticks out as the biggest one that I'm just not sure how long that lasts. I, I don't mind seeing it occasionally, time to time, but I think we're past the time where Milan Lucic is an effective, everyday top six winger in the NHL. Right. I think the other thing you have to consider too is when is that line's probably getting a lot of offensive zone starts. Um, so it's not like you're throwing um, Lucic and Toffoli and Lindholm over the boards in the D zone and expecting them to to make a stop and, and zip right over in transition. But I'm with you. I think we ha- we've had this conversation a couple of times already this season. I think we're all in agreement when we say that the Flames need another, you know, top six guy, maybe a versatile winger who can play a third line, second line, top line. You need that kind of rover who can fill in when you're trying to jumble things up to give Daryl Sutter more options when he is playing with the lines. I think the thing we're looking at these lines and saying, you know, they were really effective and things were clicking really well and things were going great. Um, you know, I think, I think the fact that there were there were concerns with some of these, right? Like I really liked the Kadri line, but it was Kadri doing a lot of it. I thought Dubé and Mangiapane had some zip, but you know, I think in terms of the actual production for those guys, I mean, Mangiapane hasn't scored in, in a couple games, right? He only has two goals through the first eight games and, and four points, and I believe only one of those goals were at five on five. So I think the I and two both of them are at five on five. Excuse me, I should I should correct that. I think. You, we just need to – things looked great. I think the eye test looked great. Um, but at the same time, I think Daryl is doing this to try to squeeze some more offense from up and down the lineup because I think sometimes we might look at individual players doing really well and say that line is great. Like I don't, I don't, I liked the second line. I thought they looked good, but at the same time, I think we need to also check the fact that maybe it was just Nazem Kadri that we were like, wow, he's great. Um, so I don't have a huge problem with, with putting the switching things up. We'll see how it goes tonight against Nashville. Um, Julian, I think we've seen that, um, Jacob Markstrom is starting tonight. Um, how do you feel about his game? I know he had the last loss against the Edmonton Oilers, but he had a really good period against the Penguins. He looked good in the final 40 against Carolina. Where were you at with Jacob Markstrom tonight? Um, I would feel, I feel better. It's weird to say I feel better. I don't coach this <laughs> team. I will never coach this team. <laughs> if I were Daryl Sutter, if I put myself in the body of an older white man and of a head coach <laughs> of the Calgary Flames, <laughs> I would feel better about Jacob Barkstrom now than I did during the first week of the season where he was playing through an illness and then got pulled against the Buffalo Sabres. But since then, I think he's put on some good performances. And even in that game, uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, you do get the loss against Edmonton. They tried to push back on that Oilers team. They're just so good offensively. Um, I I feel as if just, you know, Markstrom the last little while, there's nothing really to – there's not that much to fault him on. Um, Mm -hmm. So, And and considering the fact that Dan Vladar started earlier this week, it makes perfect sense that he gets to start tonight. And it wouldn't surprise me if he gets – gets himself going uh, later on this weekend too. So I think Markstrom mm-hmm. so far putting in good work, nothing really to complain about. I think he's a lot better now than he was in the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. Logo, I'm going to throw a different one at you and Julian, sure. you can tag in after this too. Cause I, I did open up the text line and we did get a pretty interesting question. Um, and and mm-hmm. Logan, you are, 
you from Calgary, you live in Calgary. Um, and again, if you guys want to join in on the conversation, text us at 960-960. This is from Greg. Um, do the Flames lower or raise their game according to the quality of opponent? I'm a longtime Flames fan and remember when they couldn't seem to beat non-playoff teams. It's very frustrating. Um, Logan, where do you sit on the idea of playing down to opponents and maybe not being ready or underestimating certain teams? It's interesting because I think that's something that every NHL team fights against. But to that texter's point, as someone that has watched you know Flames hockey for most of my life as the the main team that I've focused on, yeah, it does kind of feel like that sometimes. I don't know why it is specifically. I can't pinpoint a reason, but I, I just don't know if it's a, a tough thing for every group on a Tuesday night in a snowy city of Calgary to get up for the Seattle Kraken who... They've been better this year, but maybe aren't Pacific Division contenders. I, mm-hmm. I think that there is always that that level that you you worry about. I, I think sometimes we, as observers of the game, will find things like that and maybe overblow them sometimes and think that that's always right. what it is. But I do think that there's something to be said about that level of playing down to an opponent and maybe overestimating or underestimating, I guess, what they can bring to you. I don't, I really don't think mm-hmm. it's the deciding factor, but I do think it's something that does play into it. Right. I, I, th- I was talking to a former NHL player the other day, just kind of looking into this, because it's something I'm always interested in as it relates to individual teams, whether we're talking about Calgary or, or Toronto, who lost to, you know, they went and kind of lost around the, the California gauntlet, which is not something people probably would have expected when you're looking at the schedule in the preseason. Um, and I was just trying to look at, you know, is this a real phenomenon or is this just a media driven narrative that is just some kind of cop out that you can say oh well the team's still good but they just play down to their opponents whatever um and i was talking to a former player and he said no this is definitely a real thing and again this isn't directly relating to to calgary but this player was saying like and and maybe this we can extrapolate it a bit as it relates to the seattle loss but sometimes teams can think that the margin of error that they have against a bad team is a little bit wider than they thought. And then some of those errors that you make in that margin end up being kind of what buries you. And we saw against Seattle that there was, you know, some uncharacteristic mistakes and some poor game management. And maybe that's one of those things where you think you can make that cross seam pass that you probably shouldn't, or you think you can do something with the puck or go light on the board battle because it's just Seattle. But if you start making those little mistakes and they start adding up, then that margin of error gets smaller and smaller. And then, and then there you are, you, you are up two goals and, and you can't finish it out and, and you leave the game with zero points. So that's something I don't, I wouldn't say that playing down to opponents is the chief reason why the flames have lost their last two considering one of those opponents was edmonton but i always find this a an interesting discussion because we hear it so much with so many different teams of this idea of playing down is it real is this a real thing how much do we put stock into that so just a little thing i found interesting i i I want to just add this i as someone who's just been around this team as long as i have of all of two months (laughs) <laughs> I, I can understand what that texture is going through. And I imagine that the slate of games that have been played, if you're trying to make that point, like it's a pretty decent sample size. 
the Calgary Flames have five wins, and they didn't just beat middle of the pack teams. They beat the reigning cup champions. They beat their their provincial rival. They beat a team that that I think a few people are expecting to be good in the division. And Daryl Sutter has even said, like, hey, if you have to go through the playoffs and make a run, you have to go through this team. You have to. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes, which mm-hmm. are looking at one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And they beat a, a Pittsburgh Penguins team that was off to a really good start to the year. And Daryl Sutter basically <laughs> during his like intro press during Not his press anymore. conference was saying, "Well, not anymore. They've fallen off. Yes, but <laughs> yes. but Daryl obviously had a lot of respect for that Pittsburgh Penguins team and the pedigree mm-hmm. that they have. And then your losses finer to Edmonton, but to a Buffalo Sabres team that you had guys before the game say, "Yeah, we have to get ready for it because last year they dubbed they dummied us in our own building and they did mm-hmm. it again." And then the Seattle Kraken, where you you ease off the gas pedal and you you blow a lead. Like I don't like playing up to your competition, playing down your competition. I see it. There are different teams that happen to. I didn't expect the Calgary Flames to be at that point, but as someone just getting used to the environment here, I can understand that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going through the text line here again, nine sixty nine sixty. One comment we got was. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Manj, Andrew Manjupani, started scoring until that first trip out east last year. I think this team needs to get on the road in the worst way. Um, I will correct the texter because Manjupani had a very good start to the season last year. He had seven goals in the first six games. And yes, some of that was on that east road trip. Um, and the road trip came very early. The Flames had two games I mean, they didn't even really, they had one game at home. So they had their season opener against Edmonton. Manji Pani scored in that one. They had a game at home against Anaheim. They lost that one. I believe it was in a shootout or it was overtime, but I know they got at least one point against Anaheim last year. And then they went on the road to Detroit, Washington, Rangers, Devils, Pittsburgh. And I was on that road trip and Manji Pani scored. He had like two, two goal games. He scored in almost every game on that road trip except against the Penguins. So he he didn't have a slow start last year, but I will say, I, I said this yesterday, I do think it could probably do the Flames some good to to get on the road. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, you know, I was, I've been asking a few people about just, you know, building chemistry and, and, and going on road games and kind of building it up together. Just, you have that camaraderie, uh, just going from different place to place and, and, and kind of coming together that way. And, and especially for for younger fatigue for guys trying to embed trying to ingrate themselves not ingrate themselves sorry wow look at my english integrate just trying to Im- integrate themselves or embed <laughs> those are the two words i was thinking of uh into the the team culture just opportunities like that just good team bonding exercises for everyone i could imagine that could probably help for for guys like weaker and and, and huberdo and even Kadri too uh if mm-hmm. he still needs it we know he's off to the good start he's on but uh yeah i can i can i can understand why that point would be made for for a road trip and hey it's coming they got three road games next week mm-hmm. yep the, the eight game road stand is almost over homestand excuse me now i can't talk the eight game homestand's almost over they've got the nashville predators tonight and then the new jersey devils on saturday julian that's all the time we have thank you thanks for joining us thank you so much for having me peace all right that chat was brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar the 14-time consumer choice award winner for takeout or delivery Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. So that was our Thursday Flames Roundtable with Logan and Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. He's the new Calgary Flames beat writer. Coming up next, we're going to continue to talk Flames and Nashville Predators. That game is tonight at 7 p.m. And we're going to have... 
Chris Mason, the former NHL goalie and current Preds analyst with Bally Sports, joining us next on Hockey Central Sports at 960. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960. It's Haley Salvian. I'm still with you. You can't get rid of me that soon. We have one more segment left. And we're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we have Chris Mason on the line. Former NHL goalie, now a Nashville Predators analyst with Bally Sports. Uh... Calgary Flames, Nashville Predators playing tonight at the Saddle Dome at 7 p.m. Chris, how is the Alberta road trip treating you? Well, I'm from Red Deer, so it's treating me uh, absolutely phenomenal. I got to, uh, my parents came to the game in Edmonton and um, we drove home after, which wasn't great because the highways were terrible. It took us about three hours to get to Red Deer, but other than that, it's been great. had a good day in Red Deer yesterday. I just drove up uh, today for the, the big tilt tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're already in Calgary then, yeah? Drove from? Did you drive from Red Deer to Calgary with the family? Yeah, my dad. My dad drove me up, and we had uh, get a little, little, little coffee, a little Timmy's on the way up, a little father son time, and dropped me up at the <laughs> hotel. And he's turned around and back to Red Deer, so <laughs> a lot of miles for Paul. Yeah, no kidding. That must be nice memories going to get the get the Tim Hortons on the way to the rink with your dad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We got. Uh, it's just great. You get to go home and reminisce about when I was growing up playing hockey and my, my brothers, uh, my nephews, my brother's sons are all playing hockey now. One's moved away. And um, so it's just good, good old family time and getting to be with mom and dad. And they were happy with everybody in the house and just a good, uh, a good day. I haven't been back in, in a couple of years. So it was awesome. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. I love that. I know sometimes, uh, you know, people come through, come through the trip and it's snowing. So I didn't bring a hat or I'm cold. And it's always nice to hear when people are on the Alberta trip and they're like, yeah, I really enjoy this. This is great. So we're really happy to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. So Nashville Predators, they won their first two games in Prague, um, but have struggled since they lose to Edmonton 7-4 on Tuesday is is this a good team that's going through some early season issues, in your opinion, Chris? Or is this a team that we might need to kind of readjust the expectation and think, you know, all right, where where are the Predators at? I think I think they're a, a good team that's just having some issues right now. And this is a team that, if you look at where they've been successful last season and what they did in the off season, it's a team that's, I think built to defend well and kind of go from there and, and, you know, having depth throughout the lineup that, you know, a bunch of different lines that can contribute offensively when you need it. And last year they had a great power play. They were six in the NHL this year. They got off to, I think before last game, they scored two against Edmonton, but before that they were three for 38, just absolutely couldn't get anything going on the power play. Uh, And defensively is, is where the issue is, is for me is they're just not, connected they're just uncharacteristically uh, they're having trouble getting pucks you know this is a team that you know they want to play a physical game like calgary they want to get in on the four check and they want to kind of wear teams down like that but they're turning pucks over and you know they're they're not staying above the puck so the d can't pinch down and keep pucks in and you know to keep their four check alive and they're turning pucks over and it's odd man rush the other way they're losing coverages in the defensive zone so i i just think it's a lot of technical things that uh, can be corrected, and uh, 
you know, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a heck of a test tonight against Calgary because both teams kind of coming off uh, a few disappointing games here. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they're kind of built similar, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you think of how they want to build from the back end and they like to have possession and, and like you said, the, you know, this, the Nashville Predators, when they're playing well and they're clicking, like that's a pretty punishing team to play against. Um, they're, they're physical. They like to have the puck on their stick, quick with their breakouts. I think, as you mentioned, I think we have two teams that are playing against each other tonight who, who are disappointed in their last couple games. So I think there's going to be a lot of juice in this one. Yeah, they're they're well. I I honestly think it's probably the, the two most physical teams in the league. They're two teams that if they can get the phys- physical advantage on, on most teams on most nights, it, things will be uh, you know pretty good in, in their favor in terms of at least that that edge. But I think when they play each other, you know, especially tonight with uh, you know the last two games that Calgary had, they're going to be ornery and. Uh, I'm sure Daryl, you know, Daryl will have them uh, all fired up if if they even need that. But I'm sure he's going to help and kind of challenge Huberto a little bit to play a bit faster. So, you know, we've kind of had some similar things where our coach is challenging our our best players to be better, uh, not only offensively but on the defensive side of things. And, and you mentioned, um, you know, how this team is built from you know defensemen scoring and possession, and they've been lacking. We're one of the lowest, you know teams in terms of percentage of uh you know points and goals from the back end so that's another area that uh that they really need to improve if they're going to start putting some wins in the in the win column mm-hmm. how, how have you seen i mean you mentioned jonathan huberto and we know that it hasn't maybe been a, an instant connection in calgary and it, and it takes some time to to adjust to a new team how have you seen some of the new faces like nino niederreiter um kind of adjusting to joining nashville well, he came in, you know, he, he got off to a great start. And uh, I mm-hmm. think, you know, it's just, it's such a whirlwind, you know, at the beginning and some, some go great and some, it takes a while. And I think McDonough, we've seen some up and down from him uh, coming over from Tampa. I mean, he, you know, what a life and career he had in that part of uh, his career with Tampa Bay. And then he comes over and it's, you know, once we got back from Europe, I think th- there's a lot of adjustments. And I think we often, especially now I'm on the media side, sometimes you forget how impactful that is when a player has to uproot their family and go through all those different things and change schools and countries, you know, in in Huberto's case. And um, it it takes time. Like sometimes you get it right away and, but there's going to be pockets during the season that that'll come back to kind of, you know, come around and reality sets in and it just takes, you know, time for guys to find their spot in a new team in the locker room. You don't want to walk in just because you're a leader and, you know, start yipping and yapping and trying to run the show. You got to kind of find your place, and even though you're a superstar, you got to earn your respect in the room, and and uh, you know through your work ethic and the way you conduct yourself. So, it's all part of the process. And I think when they're going through that, things obviously your play is affected. Mm-hmm. How would you assess UC Saros so far this season? I mean, we saw how great he was. Uh, Last season, I think, I don't want to call it the the kind of coming out party for UC Saros, but we saw how, you know, this is a number one goalie and he played so many games last year. He was so critically important to what the Preds did down the stretch. What have you seen from him early on? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of it at uh, times, I think for, for him personally, for whatever reason, he's always kind of been a perennial slow starter. It's taken him a little bit to, to get to that level that you're talking about. And uh, I think right now the fact that it's just accentuated even more because of, um, you know, how bad we've been defensively and given up just so many high-danger scoring chances. And as a goaltender, 
no matter how good you are, a lot of times you're you're a product of your environment. So he's been good. Um, you know, he he gets to that point. Like I said, he always he always seems to start slow, but then he gets to the point where he gets in the groove. And you know, all the elite guys like Markstrom, once they get there, they, they're able to to sustain that and stay there for you know long stretches of time, months, and 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 just steal games for the team. And um, he's not quite to that level. He's played good, but he hasn't been great. And to the mm-hmm. not to the level that you're talking about, he got to last year, and um, you know, he does it every season. So I'm sure he's going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Jacob Markstrom's going to get the start for the Flames today. The Preds didn't skate this morning. Can we expect that we're going to get a UC Saros Jacob Markstrom uh, great goalie matchup tonight as well? Honestly, I I didn't go. I wasn't here for the meeting. I just got into the hotel literally 15 <laughs> minutes, so I that's don't okay. know. I mean, that's it's possible, and I wish I had uh, more for you on that uh, that part. Does of the it. coach so I, actually I say really who know. the goalie's going to be? <laughs> that's a thing you guys yeah, get in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, he, he will. He will sometimes. Yeah, it depends. It, it obviously helps when you skate because you can see who's in the in the starters crease. But uh, we do get that. I'm sure you guys you guys don't get that to warm up oh it's a mystery and it was an optional skate today and and i don't i don't think nashville skated unless i got an email that they didn't maybe i maybe i no i don't think they did miss that too so i guess that remains to be seen if we're gonna get uh Mm -hmm. sorrows versus markstrom but boy that'll be a good goalie matchup if if it is what we get what what do you uh how would you assess you know jacob markstrom's impact on the calgary flames well, I think when you you get that level of goaltender, I think it takes them from you know the Mike Smith era. Um, you know, even when when he went to Emerson, he, he's a very serviceable goaltender. But I don't know if you would have considered Calgary a contender with you know the goaltending before. They're a good team; they can make some noise. And I think when you get a guy like Markstrom, um, you know that caliber of guy, I think you're you all of a sudden with along with the, the depth and the, the talent that the flames have, I think you have to look at them as a, a serious contender for, you know, a team that could win the Stanley cup. And obviously it's going to be a tough road in the, in the West. You got to go Colorado and Edmonton and Vegas looks like they're a, a good team this year. And, you know, who knows how the rest of the season goes. It's, it's so hard to get there, but you definitely have to put Calgary in that uh, conversation. I think when you have a goaltender like Markstrom, you know, it gives you that much more uh, impact, I think in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're talking to Chris Mason on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Just a couple more minutes here with you, Chris, and we appreciate your time. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the guys on the back end who maybe haven't um, been been clicking along. Is it just a matter of time before we see Roman Yossi, um, you know, kind of producing more and, and, and doing more for the team? Yeah, I, I think the numbers will come. It's It's kind of one of those things where, you know, everybody's kind of dried up, and a lot of it's the power play, to be honest. They uh, and it looked good last game against Edmonton, where they got two kind of back to the way they were able to move the puck and generate, you know, chances from the slot. A lot of it to this point has kind of been perimeter, but for him personally, he's still been, you know, I think before last game he was leading the league and you know shot attempts per game. He's over, you know, five or four and a half shots uh, per game on net, whatever it is. But he's uh, He's still generating, but I just think they've spent a lot of time defending, kind of one and done in the offensive zone. They're not, they haven't had their typical shifts where they can, you know, wear teams down, get on the cycle, get a get a change, and create that way. So mm-hmm. it is a matter of time for him. He's still generating a lot, but it's not ending up in, uh, you know, on the score sheet as much as it was last year. But he's starting to. He had a good game last game at Edmonton, and you can see that confidence starting to come back in his game.
Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else that you think there's going to be, you know, to look out for or, or a big takeaway, something you're watching for tonight when the Flames and the Predators play at 7 o'clock? Well, the, the issue for the, the Predators has been their first period, so I really think that's got to be a huge emphasis for them. They, they, they find themselves down quite often. Their first and third have been really inconsistent and you know the game that played a couple nights ago in Edmonton they lost the game in the first period they scored the first goal and gave up four straight to Edmonton in the first period they're down 4-1 and you're chasing the game the rest of the way and I know Calgary's had some you know issues with with leads and that but that's not going to happen too often Um, Mm -hmm. you know you get down hockey games and blow leads so I I think this first period uh, for me I'm sure it's it's the same on both sides is, is the utmost importance and this is a tough building to plan. You know, they're going to come out flying and fans here are just, just awesome. And it's a really intimidating place to play. So the, the start here, especially the first, first 10 minutes or so to be able to weather Calgary's storm, I think is going to be a really big thing. And for, for the, the Preds to, to hang in there and, and get some confidence within the game to, you know, to get things going and start moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Last question. I, I've got to ask you while we have you, Chris, you, you were the goalie when Duchesne scored that like way offside goal that kind of made the NHL change the rule. <laughs> I'm sure you get asked this all the time now that we see so many offside challenges, but uh, how have you seen that like change from then, from being in, in net and having that happen to to now with, with this new rule? And, and sometimes it can be kind of annoying, but I'm sure having been in the crease, I'm sure you kind of stand by the changes that have been made. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I've got to ask. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. That's uh, that ended my NHL career. Well, along with my play, but uh, that that did too. But um, no, it, it was. Uh, well, that was. I mean, that was like you, you know. You're like, come on. He was, was so offside. It was egregious. I, that doesn't take ten minutes yeah. to review. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They they got the call before they get to the, the penalty box. But uh, no, that was funny. I, I think you know it, it's just tough when you see in different sports that an offside or some of these rules could cost you know, a series or a Stanley cup or, or some of those types of things. I agree. It does get annoying. Uh, but you know, you got video. I talk to video coaches all the time. They, they, they watch every, as soon as the puck comes in the offensive zone, they're on there reviewing the entry in case, you know, uh, a goal gets scored and they can go back and make that offside call. So you got these guys just dialed in every single time the puck goes over the blue line, checking to see it's off, if it's offside. Um, some are so close, you know, and you got the, the human error and the, the flow of the game's got to be taken into consideration as well. But I just think there's just too much at stake for all these teams now. There's so many good teams, a parity in the league. And, you know, one of those calls could be the difference between making the playoffs and, and not making it for some teams. So um, it does get annoying, and it seems to happen in bunches for some reason, which is even more annoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least they get it right, I think, you know, 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen – there was the, the weird call in Toronto already this year um, about the yeah. – was it, you know, they thought there was a hand pass, which was uh, that one. I yeah. mean, they called it by the rule book. I get that. It was just kind of a, a strange one. Maybe it was, uh, yeah. maybe people were talking about it more because it was the Leafs. But even in Calgary, I mean, this is a, this is a fan base who knows about those kind of calls. There was the, the Blake oh, yeah. Coleman kick and the, you know, the kick that wasn't a kick. And yeah, we see it all the time. And they typically well, have the, a pretty the big Stanley implications. They could have won a cup there oh, against four. Tampa. Yeah. I remember that one. And uh, yeah, don't even get started on goalie interference because we'll be here another 15, 20 minutes trying to figure that out. Maybe longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you explain goalie interference to me in the 45 seconds we have left in the show? 
No. Yeah, absolutely not. No. I kid. Uh, <laughs> that's you can't even. That's like the meaning of life. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, we're getting existential here. Um, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, we really appreciate the time and and uh, you know, good luck with the broadcast tonight with Valley Sports. Okay. Thanks so much, Haley. That was a good talk. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. There goes uh, Chris Mason, former NHL goalie, now a analyst with the Nashville Predators and Valley Sports. That was on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Um, again, that chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive northeast thanks again to chris mason and to julian mckenzie for joining the show thanks to logan gordon and everyone working on hockey central 960 we'll be back on friday at one o'clock